Thank you very much, Chair. We are live and staff is ready when you are. All right, thank you. Uh, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Thursday, May 19th, 2022 Administration Investment Fiscal Management Board meeting. Uh, the meeting is now called to order. Will the clerk please call the roll to establish quorum? Yes, thank you. Members at this time, please unmute and turn on your video. Member Bach will be absent this, e um, this afternoon. Member Combs? Let's see. Here. I'm here. Sorry. It's okay. Thank you. Uh, Member Leon is absent. Vice Chair Colville. Here. And Chair Bader. Uh, here. Thank you. We have quorum. Okay. Uh, this meeting is virtual via Zoom. For members of the public who wish to join, please refer to the agenda for the Zoom link. Once you have joined the meeting and wish to speak, and, uh, click raise your hand to provide public comment. When, the, when we confirm uh, the public comment during the speaking period for your desired item. Uh, if you're online, please click the raise hand on the bottom of your screen. If you're on the mobile app, you can raise your hand by tapping the raise hand option or more tap. And if you're calling in via the telephone, uh, you can raise your hand by dialing star nine and then to unmute dial star six and the speaker will call the last four digits of your phone number. Uh, you'll have two minutes to speak once you're called, and now we will proceed with today's agenda. Uh, our first order of business today is the approval of the consent calendar. Madam Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on the consent calendar? Thank you, Chair. At this time, I have no members of the public who wish to make comment on the consent calendar today. Hey, hey, Blair, so, sorry to interrupt, Jason. Hey, Blair, um, this is John. Stacy's. They're not having audio, so she called in. I don't see any phone numbers showing up in the. Thank you, um, Vice Chair. I do have a phone number with the last four digits, 6652. And I've asked yes. that they, okay. So um, Stacy does have the ability to mute and unmute now. Thank you. Thanks. Thank Perfect. You. Sorry, Jason. Go oh, for it. Um, are there any members who wish to speak on the consent calendar? Okay. Is there a motion and a second for the calendar? I'll make a motion, Chair. I'll second the motion. Great. Thank you. I can proceed with the vote. We have a motion by Vice Chair Koval and a second by Member Combs. Again, members, please unmute and turn on your video. Member Bach is absent. Member Combs. Member, do you mind um, stating your vote on the consent calendar, please? Yes. Thank you. Member Sorry. Leon. It's okay. Thank you. Member Leon is absent. Vice Chair Colville? Yes. And Chair Bader? Yes. Thank you. That motion passes. Okay. Uh, now we'll proceed to the discussion calendar for item number seven, the Seagal Marco Advisors Quarterly Investment Performance Report for March of 2022. Is there a presentation? Yes. Hi, this is uh, Michael Lyons. Uh, thank you very much for, for having us. Um, is it okay to proceed? Perfect. Uh, yes, please. Perfect. So you had uh, previously worked with my colleague, uh, Craig Chaikin, for a few years. He has uh, unfortunately uh, 
uh, departed our company as of uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, for another opportunity. Um, so I will be stepping into uh, this relationship. Uh, we've taken a team-based approach. So I've been working with him over the past couple of years in the background and well aware of uh, everything that you've been doing uh, with this plan. Uh, just as way of background, I've, I've been with uh, Siegel Marco uh, for about 15 years now. And uh, I'm a uh, officer within the company, shareholder of the company, and uh, work with a number of plans uh, such as yourself. So lots of experience in this, uh, in this area of investment management and happy to answer any questions uh, and looking forward to continuing to work with you. Would you prefer that I share our report on screen or do you have something that you can put up or should I just reference a page number that you may have? Yeah, if you could share on your screen, that'd be great. Perfect. That'd be great, yeah. One second. Great. Can you see our uh, title page here? Yes. All right. Fantastic. So we've got our performance report up here. It's 63 pages. It is as of March. And as we all know, this is all uh, outdated data. So I'm just going to quickly go through this. I just want to touch on a, on a handful of pages here. Um, the most important thing is the market environment, of course. I don't want to spend too much time here, but I think it's important to highlight a couple of things. Uh, what happened in this market environment through March of 2022? We've had uh, a couple of crazy years, uh, to put it mildly here. Um, and what you're seeing now is uh, the, first, uh, the first significant drawdown that we've seen since March of 2020. And what you'll notice here is that uh, for the most part, outside of all asset classes, with the, with the exception being commodities, you are seeing negative returns. Uh, I'll just refer to two that, are, that you have exposure to here, the S&P 500, which is domestic stocks. Uh, you do have exposure, about 60% of the portfolio is allocated to that asset class today. And you can see through March, uh, this on a year-to-date basis was down about uh, 5%. Uh, through the other day, this is now down actually 14%, um, probably with including today, probably down close to 15% on a uh, year-to-date basis. Um, and then the other one I want to call attention to is more in the middle of the screen, the Bloomberg U.S. aggregate. This is going to be the, uh, the bond portfolio. Uh, the remainder of the portfolio that you have is largely in bonds. And so you can see that uh, this also uh, was hit hard as we started uh, the year. And so that was at minus 6%. As of March, and I can tell you now that uh, this has also worsened, and we're taking a look at the uh, uh, the U.S. aggregate bond market now down 10%. So uh, you've got stocks that are minus 14 to 15%, and bonds that are about minus minus 10%. Um, and it's being driven by a couple of things. Predominantly, the two big headlines that we have uh, splashed everywhere today are uh, rising interest rates and inflation. Those are uh, the big headlines that we see out there. And uh, that's the market environment that we're dealing with. You typically don't see stocks and bonds declining in, in tandem, but that is what we're seeing today. That's what we are encountering uh, today. Um, we're continuing to start see, seeing some, some reopening with, with COVID. We're seeing impacts of a war in Ukraine and Russia that are uh, cascading across the globe. Um, China's continued tight lockdown on their economy continues to, to cascade through the, uh, the globally integrated uh, markets that we have out there. So that's kind of the market environments in a, in, in, 
in a nutshell that we have there for you. Um, and I did want to just mention one other thing that is really driving this, and that's jumping ahead a couple of pages um, to fixed income. And I'm going to focus on page seven here. Uh, one thing that I'm not sure that uh, Craig had covered in the past, but it's this treasury yield curve. It's the graph that we have in the upper right-hand corner of this. And so this is basically taking a look at and this basically look at, looks at uh, uh, fixed income securities issued by the United States Treasury from anywhere from one month all the way up to 30 years. And what you'll notice now is that we are that dark green bar at the top. So what's happened is that yield curve has shifted up. That means interest rates have gone up. And as interest rates rise, bond prices do tend to move in the inverse. So that's why you're seeing negative returns here. They are repricing. If you hold these to maturity, you should not, you should not experience any sort of uh, loss in principle there. Um, and as you are investing in new fixed income securities as they mature, one of the benefits that you're seeing today is that you are able to reinvest at a higher interest rate. And so, you know, I can't emphasize this enough, this move that we've seen this year. Uh, the most uh, widely noted uh, U.S. Treasury uh, security is probably the 10-year security. It's the best predictor of kind of future returns for the bond market. You can see um, on this page that we started out 2021, at the end of 2021, uh, the 10-year Treasury was at about uh, 0.7%, so uh, 70 basis points. And uh, in this short amount of time, it has uh, risen up to 3%. So that is, you know, I'm sorry, it started at 1.5%. It's now up to 3%. Um, so that is a huge, huge uh, increase, a 100% increase uh, in that. And so uh, that's interest rate sensitivity. So as that goes up, you would expect bond prices to go down. On the short, short end of the curve, which is kind of what everyone's been paying attention to now with the U.S. Federal Reserve, they've been talking about stepping up to handle inflation. And one of the best ways to tame inflation is to raise interest rates. And the only, the only interest rate that the Fed controls is the overnight rate. And so we started the year out, and you can kind of see those rates at the very short end of the curve on the one month, the overnight rate they control were pinned at zero. Uh, those rates are now up to uh, 75 basis points, and the Federal Reserve has come out and uh, raised interest rates this year, and they've continued to say, expect to see rising interest rates. So what we would expect is that those on the short end of the curve that are currently you know, pretty steep, we expect those to raise. On the further out, the 10-year and the 30-year, that's where a lot of the damage has already happened. We don't see those rising too much more. So um, that really is kind of what's impacting this, and it's impacting everything. Because as interest rates rise, now you have a higher risk-free rate. The risk-free rate previously was zero. Um, that has now not changed. You can now go take very little risk to get um, basically a 3% uh, return on a two-year treasury note. So uh, pretty interesting dynamics that are at play here. Um, so I want to pause here, see if there's any questions on the market environment before I jump into how this has impacted your portfolio. Michael, this is John. Welcome. Um, Thank am you. I, am I look at this, I'm kind of far removed from the fixed income market lately. Um, am I seeing an inversion in the twos and tens? I mean, just from picture only, is that what I'm seeing? 
you you have you may have seen a, a a a couple of days here and there where it has inverted, and so that is kind of one of the what I'll call it the flashing yellow lights that is that has come into play when you when you see that happening. That could kind of be foreshadowing of other things to happen, and so one of those things could be it could be a recessionary uh, trigger when you're seeing that. Um, so no, your mind is not playing tricks on you. Um, <laughs> those uh, th- those rates have risen substantially, and again, we're just showing you as of March 31st. But again, since this report came out they have risen significantly on the shorter end of the curve. So now what you're seeing is, uh, you know, it's still at the front end, it's still inverted, but it definitely is starting to flatten out as you look across this. So um, definitely storm clouds on the horizon when we take a look at this. Okay, thank you. Okay, so that's the, the market environment in a nutshell. And, and how is your how is your plan uh, stood up with all this? So we're going to jump ahead. Um, I like to take a look at uh, page 14. This is page uh, 16 of 63 in your PDF handout that I have on the screen here. And you can kind of see March of 2020 where we are. We have your allocation and your target. Um, You basically have everything that is aligned with your index. The one thing that I will say that that has been uh, beneficial here, um, when you take a look at equities, it's broken into two components. There's a growth component and a value component. The past uh, decade, particularly the past two years, it has been pretty much all growth all the time. And uh, now we are seeing a pullback with that. And so what's happened that you can see here is that uh, you've wisely been, been trimming back positions, taking some winners off the table and rebalancing here. And uh, you have allocated a bit more. So now you have an underweight to growth and overweight to value. And so value tends to have uh, higher tiltings towards uh, energy, industrial stuff that tends to do better in a uh, uh, what we'll just call a kind of recessionary uh, environment that maybe we're facing here, a little bit more pricing power as well. So um, that was a nice move that we saw there. But overall, your asset allocation is aligned with your target policy. And that's what we see on this page. Um, so that's, that's the first part of it. And then the second portion of it is, of course, how is the portfolio done? We see you have a fiscal year to date here that we have highlighted uh, from uh, July 2021 to March 2022. You can see that we showed this plan having about a 0.8% return. That's 80 basis points, so just under uh, 1%. Um, it has trailed your actuarial assumption. Uh, you can see that it's trailed by about uh, 3.7%. And with that, it has kept up with the custom uh, benchmark that you have there at 0.8%. So it has uh, largely kept up with that. Um, And I think Stacy can share with you uh, later as well, just kind of uh, a year to date through the end of April. It's not in this report, but we would anticipate that this plan is down uh, just under 6% on a a fiscal year to date basis. And you can see where a lot of the, the pain and damage came. It came in the one year. Um, but, you know, we don't want to focus too much on the on the short term. As you look a little further out, the one thing that you'll notice is that uh, with long-term performance, it has been very good. You have outperformed your actuarial assumption. And that actuarial assumption just stays nice and steady. It doesn't move with the markets. It's just, it's just kind of set out there. So uh, that stays, and the markets are always bouncing around. And you can also see against your custom uh, index over that 10 years, you have added a significant amount of uh, outperformance there, one and a half percent over that. So um, the portfolio has performed uh, quite well. Um, 
and happy to answer any questions uh, that you may have. But it is just kind of startling when you take a look at this to see uh, what's happened on your fiscal year to date basis when you see uh, domestic equities that are 60% of the year portfolio through March having a 5.5% return and your fixed income actually posting a minus 6.5% return. But this is the power of diversification and uh, uh, we think it's served you well so far. Thank you, Michael. Um, Madam Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I have no members of the public with their hands raised to make comment. Okay. Uh, are there any members that wish to speak as well on this? Um, no, Jason. No, we're pretty well aware of what's going on <laughs> in the markets these days. If you're yeah, and I figured so. Yeah. Stacy's going to bring some more doom and gloom, right? Um, so I guess we. Need, uh, um, so we need to pass a motion accepting this uh, report. Can I get a uh, first and a second for this? I'll make a motion, Jason. I'll second the motion. Keep the trend going. Okay. It's a first by Cobal and a second by Emily. Yes. Thank oh, I, I'm not. <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's Blair's shop. Sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Okay. Sorry, yes. <laughs> it's okay. Thank you. We have a first by uh, Member Coville and a second by Member Combs. I'll proceed with the roll call vote. Member Bach is absent. Member Combs? Yes. Member Leon is absent. Vice Chair Coville? Yes. And Chair Bader? Yes. Thank you. Motion passes. Okay. Thank you, Michael. Well done. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. Thank you so much. Okay, the next item is item eight, the uh, SCRS quarterly investment report for March. So can you guys see my screen? Yes, we can. Okay, perfect. Thank you. And I'm going to be looking back and forth. I apologize. I have two screens set up. So I'm going to no actually refer to Siegel's report and just point out a couple slides on here. So he actually stopped on slide 14, which is the same one I was going to stop on. And the one thing I wanted to point out on here is you can just really see how much the markets move just between December and March. If you look at where the overweights and the underweights really changed quite dramatically. Um, so I think that really tells the bigger story and it really continued into the month of April. And as uh, Michael alluded to, our unaudited returns through the end of April are negative five point, about 5.8%. So unless the market really does something phenomenal in the next six weeks, we're probably going to be facing negative returns for this fiscal year. So it's been quite a long time since we've had to deal with that, but it looks like that's pretty much what's on the horizon. Um, going on to slide 40, excuse me, 36. Um, on this one, I just wanted to touch on large cap growth. Um, we do, we are underperforming in this, and I just wanted to point out that it's primarily due to our tech overweight. Tech has always been overweight in the large cap portfolio. I would say in the last few years it's come in, but it, it has served us well, and it's really the primary reason in a market that's going up of why we outperform. So it stands to reason that it's why we're underperforming in this market. However, we really don't have quite as much risk on as we used to. And in the past uh, three to four months, we exited some names completely like PayPal and Starbucks that really just didn't seem like their prospects were there. So we are aware of what's going on in the markets and are always trying to be proactive about it. 
And as Michael mentioned, we've always been sellers ahead of time to fund operating, and it has it always seemed like maybe we were selling too soon when the market continued to go up. But in hindsight now, having money in the operating account for the last few months has meant that we haven't had to sell into this, um, what's happened in this market in the last quarter. So while it's uncomfortable to do at the time, in the long run, it really looks like it was the right thing to do. We will not have to raise funds for operating now until July 1st. So hopefully in those next six weeks, we can get some stability and uh, get a more positive turn in the market so that when we are forced sellers, it's not at these all-time lows right now. So next, on the other hand, in equity income, we are outperforming quite significantly. And I just wanted to point out that that is primarily due to our overweight in industrials and consumer staples. So as people in the markets try to hide from the higher volatility, higher risk names like tech, that's usually where they go to hide. So these uh, sectors have allowed us to overperform, overperform in this portfolio. That has started to reverse in the last few days, I will say, as a lot of retailers have come out and missed their earnings quite handedly, and that's due to inflation. So we may see the consumer staples outperformance start to roll over, but a lot of economists out there believe that if we have not peaked already in inflation, we're awfully close to it. So we're really looking forward to the next few CPI numbers to see if we've seen a turn down in the inflation numbers that really seems to be impacting most of these retailers. And the last equity portfolio I wanted to touch on is international. International always had a small um, extra bet, if you want to use that word, towards inter, uh, emerging markets and, and different areas outside the benchmark. We took that off a few months ago. We just didn't feel like the risk reward was there. We were taking extra risk to try to get a little bit of incremental yield. And really, it's such a small portion of the portfolio that we just talked about that is it really even worth doing anything different from the benchmark right now? So from here on out, we are completely matching the benchmark. So we will be fairly tied to the returns of the benchmark going forward. And then on to the fixed portfolio, which I think is the most interesting. So on this one, as Michael showed you on the yield curve, really in that seven to 10 year yield shot up pretty significantly. And while if you look at the risk profile for the fixed portfolio, we're actually less risky than the benchmark. However, we have a longer duration and a longer maturity. So we just happen to be in here in this part where the curve got hit pretty significantly. So although our returns are underperforming the benchmark, we continue to clip those coupons. And as with fixed income, even though you're marked to market and you're down on paper, over time, all those bonds will accrete back to par, which just means that even if they're 90 cents on the dollar today, if they mature in three years and we're a holder, we will get our 100 cents back. So Michael's um, comment about putting new assets to work at a much higher level is super important, but I'm going to save that for my asset allocation, which is a couple more items down to really get into that. Um, that's pretty much it. That's all I really wanted to go over with his um, report. So does anyone have any questions? Yes, Stacey, I was curious. Um, you said you, you, the thinking is maybe that inflation might be peaking with the next report or in the near future. How long is it that they're, I uh, guess, the consensus stacks, which are thinking for this to, to hold at this high level? You know, you kind of cut out. Did you ask 
could you just repeat it, Jason? I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. So for you're saying that you're th the thinking was that the inflation may be uh, peaking at the next report or mm -hmm. in the next few months. What's the kind of consensus, the expert consensus for how long it may hold at these high levels once it does kind of peak? Well, if you peel out food and energy, which is the most volatile of the CPI report, we've already seen that start to come off. So it, it, I'm not going to say it's going to fall dramatically, then really what everyone's looking for is the trend. So if we can see a month-to-month -month trend negative, that's really what the market is looking for at this point. It's not so much um, how quickly it's going to come down, it's going to be the general direction because, as you know, the market always front runs what is coming. So if the market starts to see that trend, it will start trading on the trend as opposed to how quickly that trend is going to play out. Does that make sense? It does. Thank you. Base, this is John. Can you uh, share with the group the status of the option program now that we've lost our provider? Yes. So we lost our options provider uh, last year, and that provider went to another firm, and we tried to get up and running with them, and we had a lot of um, settlement issues and a lot of non-compliance uh, being able to trade these. We did talk to several other firms. The problem is, is that our account and our volumes are so small, it's cost prohibitive for us to do it with a big firm like a Goldman Sachs or a Citigroup or a UBS. So we really always have utilized these little niche firms. And with our coverage not being able to supply that for us, um, the options portfolio has really been frozen and in any any environment, this is the worst environment that that portfolio could be frozen right now. So, I mean, I would still be hopeful that we could bring it back at some point, but right now we just don't have someone to actually handle the other side. When we give an order, there's no one there to take the order and settle the order. So that's where we are with that. Good, thanks. Yeah, I know it'd be a perfect environment for selling covered calls. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Finally, we finally have <laughs> yes. an environment where... <laughs> Volatility, right? Which yeah, is what after all these years, we finally had a targeted. chance to make some money. <clears throat> Correct. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Stacy. Uh, Madam Clerk, yep. are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I have no members of the public with their hands raised to make comment on this item. Okay. I'll make a motion, Jason, to accept it, please. Okay, I'll, I'll second, second the motion. I'll stay quiet then. Okay. <laughs> motion on the second. You just facilitate. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I will proceed with the vote. Member Bach is absent. Member Combs? Yes. Member Leon is absent. Vice Chair Coville? Yes. And Chair Bader? Yes. Thank you. That motion passes. Okay. The next item is item nine. Uh, this is the uh, SCRS FY22-23 investment policy. Stacy, you're on. Thank you. Um, so this year, um, the investment policy, as in the last few years past, we are recommending no changes. Um, I would say it's been at least five years since it's had any significant changes. And due to the maturity of the plan and the fact that we are almost a closed plan, not quite, we still have two members left, we do not believe that it's prudent to widen the investment policy to, to include more creative asset classes that some of our peers do down the street. So as always, we would look at least once a year to change the investment policy, but at this point, we do not recommend any changes to the Fannie investment policy. All right, I'll make a motion to accept the policy as is. 
Oh, wait, I, I think it's um, Madam Clerk, are there any members signed up? <laughs> Thank you, Chair. There are no members of the public to make comment. Go for it, John. What I said earlier. Yeah. Make a motion. I'm seconding it. Thank you. We have a motion by Member Coville and a second by Member Combs. I will proceed with the vote. Member Bach is absent. Member Combs? Yes. Member Leon is absent. Vice Chair Coville? Yes, please. And Chair Bader? Yes. Thank you. Motion passes. Okay. Our final item on the agenda is the SCURS FY2223 asset allocation policy. Stacy gets to do this one. Thanks, Jason. Okay, so this one is actually the one I, I think we should probably spend the most amount of time on. As you know, we meet annually to talk about what the allocation for the portfolio should be. And I don't think we've made a change for about three years, but this year I am recommending a change. Um, as you know, the most recent funding status from Bartel came in at 110% on a market value basis. Now, no doubt that's going to decrease unless something happens dramatically in the next month or so. But I still expect us to be fairly close to the 95 to 100% range on our funded status. And at that November meeting, Bartel really reinforced that the plan should pivot to focus less on growth and more on conservation of gains. And as a result, that's why the actuarial rate was changed at the time from 65 to 6%. Now, at the end of this item that I have on the screen here, which hopefully you had a chance to look through, Siegel did some analysis on what we could realistically expect as a gain, long-term gains on the portfolio based on the proposed changes. And they did come up at 6% as achievable. However, Michael did share with me that all those capital gains assumptions are pretty much uh, moot at this point just because of what's happened in the market. And he wouldn't be surprised if Siegel and others come out and actually modify their projections going forward. Usually these are just point in time and they just they stick with it, but things have been pretty dramatic, so I it will probably change. But for the purpose of this report and what we're going to make this decision on, we're going to use this March data. So what we're proposing is a reduction. I'm going to go to my main um, report here. It actually is over 10 pages, but so I'm just going to sum up what we're proposing. We're proposing a reduction in international exposure from 75 to 5%. And this is the most aggressive asset class. So again, hearkening back to what Bartel said about being more conservative. And then in large cap, a reduction as well of 2.5%. So this will take the allocation in large cap from 35 to 32.5%. So the 5% overall change, we're going to reallocate and put 2.5% into equity income. So it's staying with the uh, equity bucket. It's just going more towards the equity income side. And the remaining 2.5% will go to the fixed fund. And as you can see in those early reports from Siegel that I mentioned, as of April 1st, the portfolio has naturally already migrated this direction as a lot of the high growth names have sold off. We're actually underweight currently in large cap and overweight in equity income, which is because the value names have outperformed. So the plan is actually naturally going this way as it is. So I don't anticipate having to do a very, very large reallocation at this point, just because the plan is really within our boundaries of being on this new asset allocation if it's adopted. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then also worth noting is that going forward, the city will no longer be making any contributions to this fund um, due to the plan funded status. So as a result, the need for income is even more increased 
because the operating fund is not going to be getting those deposits to cash flow, as you know, Jason, the implications of that. Um, the city did do this once before. It turned out not to be the right decision, but the plan is in a very different stage right now with only two active members. But we believe that uh, migrating 5% of the current exposure in pure equities over to more income-producing holdings is the prudent thing to do right now. And as a side note, what Michael talked about, currently 30-year high-grade corporates are in the four and a half to five and a quarter range. And as you know, our bogey is 6%. So in a rising interest rate environment, we may be able to place assets very close to the actuarial rate of 6% at some time in the future. And if the plan becomes fully closed, when our last two participants do retire, we can research other guaranteed income alternatives. Um, Siegel has a department that's a risk management, and they have actually done this on a couple small plans. And so they've reached out to me and said that they would work with me, whether that's buying annuities or streamlining some of the plans on the glide path for the remaining beneficiaries. But with interest rates going the way they're going, this plan is actually going to have some options on how to conservatively meet the actuarial rate going forward, which in the past few years has not been an option. John and I have talked about this for many years, but in a zero interest rate environment, it was feasibly, it was, it was not feasible. So we could have some other things to research as interest rates continue to go up. So last thing I just wanna point out is the goal in the plan is not to have a big pool of money when it's all done. So being 110% funded is great, but the goal of any plan is to literally match your liabilities with your assets and to not have a huge pool of money left over when you have one beneficiary left. So a drop in the funding status, but meeting the liabilities is probably what the actual goal should be that we focus on. So that's all I have on that, but I'm, I'm sure there's gonna be lots of questions. Well, thank you, Stacey. You actually answered a couple of questions I had jotted down before talking about the um, <laughs> what, what the planned funding level will, will go from. Because I know we were at 110%, but I was curious what the thinking was. Correct. You're saying 95 to 100, but still there'll be no general fund subsidy needed, which is uh, excellent. So that's just a general guess. That's just a general guess based on where the what the asset value is. You know, at 260 to 270 now instead of 300. Mm -hmm. The piece we don't really ever have visibility on is the other side, which is the number of participants who have left the plan. You know, Bartel makes an assumption and we don't find out until the end of the year, you know, how close they were to that assumption. I do know I had a mid-year chat with Ray and we had lost quite a few more participants that Bartel was, than Bartel was planning for and that was in March. So, you know, it, it, it's this, right? If this doesn't do as well, but this is more, the participant loss is less, they kind of offset each other. Okay, thank you. Yeah, and I, I like the term you used from Bartel, the conservation of gains, because it's exactly right. You're protecting 5% yep. Yep. and you're putting into something more, more stable and uh, yep. conservative. Great, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting things come for full circle. You know, when I joined the city 18 years ago, we were 100% funded and we had a, you know, a 60% fixed, 60, I think we we're 70% fixed income, 30% equities. And then has, as equity markets changed and fixed income interest rates fought, fell, we ended up inverting it to, you know, just the opposite, 60% equities and 40% and fixed income. And now we're trying to, looks like go back that way because, you know, yields are going to get higher and it's going to be 
not a risk-free rate, but tentatively a pretty close to risk-free rate of, of return of 6%. So yeah, I'm fully on board with this. Stacey and I have had this conversation about how we can de-risk this fund, you know, given the, the really, the nature of it being two more, you know, two more benef- um, active members left. We're really on the cusp of just being a paying out things. So I'm on board with this for sure. Great, thank you, Stacy. You're welcome. Madam Clerk, are there any members of the public? Thank you, Chair. There are no members of the public with hands raised to make comment. Okay, thank you. Uh, is there a motion and a second for this item? I'll pass the motion. Is that what you say? Motion? Uh, make a motion, sure. <laughs> motion. And I will second. Thank you. We have a motion by Member Combs and a second by Member Colville. I will proceed with the roll call vote. Member Bach is absent. Member Combs? Yes. Member Leon is absent. Vice Chair Colville? Yes. And Chair Bader? Yes. Thank you. Motion passes. Okay. The next item is member comments, ideas, questions. Are there any members who wish to speak? No, I'm just uh, as a follow up to to the clerk's office, just wondering what the timeline is for member Leon's seat and the you know if we're going to go back out for recruitment. So just at some point, find out what our timeline is on that letter, if you could. Thank you. I don't have those details in front of me, but someone from the office will get back to you. Perfect. Thank you. So has has he turned out as just a regular member as well? Not not as chair, but just as regularly, he can't be on the board. Yeah, he's termed out. He, he just we have to find an incumbent or someone to take his speed, spot before he really has to vacate. And we Sean, one point, just, yeah, go ahead, Stacey. Yeah, I um, the day before the last um, recruitment closed, I did get an email. I think from Blair or Mindy confirming that he did not serve a full first full term and that he was eligible to be placed again and they were gonna reach out to him. Well, that's right, yeah. So, so he could reapply for that position yeah, for another term. two years, right? Term, full term, yep. Yep, okay. Okay, well, if there's nothing else, thank you everyone for everything today. And, and uh, this thank you, agenda. Chair, just for the record, there are no members of the public who wish to make comment for matters not on the agenda today. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Thank you. All right. Thank you for your participation and have a good day. Thank you. Thank you.